real hog. <laughs> I want some barbecue. Reminds me of music from Superbad. A little bit. I like that little Harvey. Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, okay. He's re-emerged recently in recent times. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's, he's kind of been more visible. Harvey, always broadening my music sensibilities. Yeah, you got good. You got pretty good tasty music there, little Harvey. I just downloaded their greatest hits, like, last week. You're getting hip to them? What is yeah. the Family Stone, you know? Is I it no sapphire? Idea. It's like a loose affiliation. Is it a fucking crack rock? Amethyst, yeah. maybe. Wow. It's a loose affiliation. Is that what it is? People he collaborates with. One love mine from Jamaica, Jackman Radio. How's everybody doing tonight? So lovely to see you again. And nice to have you here. Come to Jamaica for your tourist trap. We'll get you a bowl and a red stripe the second you're off the plane. <laughs> Oh, man. Another podcast and another debate last night. Oh, You know, I, uh, I I think we saw a Trump who was maybe a little deflated. Yeah. A little beat down. I mean, it was a, that was a marathon. I do this for Poopsie. Poopsie, I'm pouring a glass of uh, Merlot Gallo Family Vineyards. Very cheap. Seven U.S. dollars from the uh, market in Troy. Here we go. I mean, you put that first. The glass down. Mm. Isn't that nice? Well, that's pleasant. Let, oh. it breathe, let it breathe a little bit. God. Oh, let that breathe. Let that air out. Don't let that breathe. Went all the way to the top on that one. Yeah, well, the glass, um, the nice thing about this glass, it doesn't make you look like as much as a drunk. So when you're holding... <laughs> when, you, when it's full, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little gimlet. Yeah, it's actually pretty bad. It's a small little gimlet. So tonight's podcast is sponsored by Eric's Cheap Red Wine and, as always, because it's summer, Corona. Excellent. Summer's ending soon, though, unfortunately, so... We're not going to talk about that, but... Unbelievable. Last night, yeah, like I said, I thought Trump kind of, uh, you know, obviously was being flanked from all sides, you know, as the front runner. And, uh, you know, had a couple of a couple of moments where he just he just seemed kind of tired, you know? I mean, they were up there for three hours. Yeah, that was... I, I know I can stand for three hours. Yeah. I, that's what I learned. I think everybody did pretty well. What they didn't show you is he was kneeling on a couple of Mexican dudes who were kneeled down that he paid uh, minimum wage. I paid a minimum wage. <laughs> I paid them. Fine. It's an opportunity. They, they love me. They worked hard. Yeah. I employed them for three hours. They love me. They made $30, and after taxes, they took home about 25 And one of the performances I was most impressed with last night was actually Rand Paul, who yes. did, a, did a pretty shitty job the first time around, I thought. Oh, about time, man. I was saying, finally, dude, don't be ashamed of being Ron Paul's son. Yeah, exactly. Embrace that shit. There's a uh, there's an article here that I found today by John Nichols. Um, it's unlike Trump, Rand Paul actually made some sensible points during the debate. The Kentucky senator cut through the childish childish silly back and forth to present reasonable alternatives on foreign policy, drug reform, and mass incarceration. And I think like his father, he's right on with the foreign policy. Oh, dude, the foreign you know? policy, right on about drugs, 
called Jeb Bush out, that big establishment dickhead, for smoking pot in uh, high school. I, I smoked pot four years ago. Oh, my mom's going to be so mad about this. <sighs> She's not going to be mad about all the people the Bushes have killed in the last, like, hundred years or made profits off. She's going to be mad that he smoked pot over at Andor. Smoked a little grass. Maybe if he smoked more grass, he wouldn't, they wouldn't be I, I wanted, if I was touristic. There, I'd be like, who's got one? Let's freaking get this to the start of the revolution. Well, Rand was was try, he was he trolling them. He's like, well, maybe we should go down the line and see who smoked. Yeah, and you then know? he just... Imagine if he put his Ray-Bans on and pulled out a big old fat one. Yeah, he just got the awkward lit Buddha. that shit up and freaking clam-baked uh, Huckabee, who is next to him. <laughs> He could have used, used that that fucking guy. That was morose, dude. Again, oh. Huckabee man, just what? a dark Sith Lord. Yeah, he's he a is. Sith Lord, Mike. Oh, I just was waiting for the fucking <laughs> horns to come out, the lightning to come down. Oh. And, man, talk about the fucking second coming of fucking Doomsday Judgment Day. Mm. Just crazy shit. Like him and Cruz, they they gave them way too much time. Oh. Even though Huckabee, there was like a 30-minute lull where he didn't get to talk at all, which is great. Yeah, thankfully. Don't give that guy any fucking time. No, I friggin' put him in the bathroom at the Reagan Library. So, Donald Trump does not like Rand Paul. In the weirdest non-sequitur of an often incoherent second Republican presidential debate, the billionaire frontrunner for the party's nomination declared, Rand Paul shouldn't even be on this stage. He's number 11. He's got 1% in the polls. There's too many people on stage already. And as he has been on so many points, Trump was entirely wrong on this one. This is according to John Nichols. I guess Rand's more like, I don't know, 5, 5%? And he's in the middle of the pack. I don't know that he's... Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's that low. You might see a little spike, though, from last night. What really impressed me was when Rand was talking about foreign policy and talking about the Iraq War um, by saying that he's made his career as an opponent of the Iraq War, and I think that's great. And he said the Iraq War backfired and did not help us he said, I'm not sending our sons and daughters back to Iraq. So these lines didn't earn him a lot of applause last night, um, you know, because, I don't know, Republic, a lot of Republicans in the, dude, seem to love war. Dude, that stage, like, wanted to start World War Three, And, yeah, it was, it was like, like real, dude, Fiorina I, wants, I, I to ran. Take, wants to take a battleship and fucking ram it up Putin's ass. Yeah. Like, she would command the ship. Right, she doesn't want to talk to Putin anymore. No. And, but but Rand, Rand made a really great point. He said, well, you know, everyone up here likes to fillet Reagan. Yeah. Reagan talked to, to the evil empire of Russia during the height of the Cold War. Yeah, exactly. So he right. didn't say that exactly. Well, but that's a really good point. That is a great They're point. They're in the Reagan Library. Reagan, who, you know, his his um, legacy is helping to open up the Soviet Union and destroy communism. None of those clowns want to talk to, to Russia or anybody. It's like, no. ugh. What's the famous line, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall? Yeah. So he's willing to talk to Russia during the height of the Cold War, get that wall knocked down, you know, maybe put up a fence. I don't know. <laughs> maybe not a great wall. Wasn't yeah. it? Wasn't such... Wasn't such a great wall, was it? I'm not big on knocking walls down, but I'm really good at building them. So Rand Paul delivered another zinger, too. This was great. He said, if you want boots on the ground and you want them to be our sons and daughters, you've got 14 other choices. There will always be a Bush or Clinton for you if you want to go back to war in Iraq. Oh, that's like, great. Oh, that was, yeah, Rand. Yeah, that's why I loved Ron Paul last time around, because he said shit like that. I know. And he didn't, he didn't give a fuck, you know? And, you know, I, I, a couple of years ago, I really did like Rand Paul, but he kind of, uh, you know, he... Yeah, he doesn't seem like well, he, he's really... He's doing that, that evangelical fucking dubstep over in Iowa. You yeah. Know, to try and court the crazies so that he, you need to win the nomination. He further went on and said, the first war was a mistake, and I'm not sending our sons and daughters back there. And he also talked about um, uh, Syria. He talked about the Iran deal. You know, he really, in terms of foreign, foreign policy, Rand Paul made the most sense up there. You know what I mean? Oh, he's, pour, he's pouring more. Pace yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Pace yourself, my boy. And he said, I think uh, this gets to the point of wisdom on when to intervene and when we shouldn't. 
had we bombed Assad at the time, like President Obama wanted and like Hillary Clinton wanted and many Republicans wanted, including many on the stage, I think ISIS would, would be in Damascus today. I think ISIS would be in charge of Syria had we bombed Assad. Sometimes both sides of the civil war are evil, and sometimes intervention sometimes makes us less safe. This is the real debate we have to have in the Middle East. So, I mean, he, I think he's right on about that. Yeah, the and, only one uh, in that debate that made any sense about foreign policy, in my opinion. Yeah, but hey, kudos to you, Rand, for doing that, and let's uh, let's see more of it. Yeah, Fiorina surged, Mike. She gave a pretty, you know, pointed and and, and uh, confident, you know, performance. Yeah. And, you know. How about Trump, though, when he was, you know, confronted about talking about her face and he was like, okay, maybe I misspoke. Carly Fiorina's a lovely woman and she's beautiful. Beautiful. Dude, Fiorina's face when he said that. Dude, you could hear a pin drop in the whole yeah, place. Yeah, she wanted to, like, fucking run over and cut his, cut his throat. Yeah, he meant that. Yeah. How about when he was like, excuse me, Jeb, Ex- excuse me, excuse- go, go ahead. Excuse me. No, I didn't want casinos in Florida. And if I want, if I wanted them, if I really wanted them, I would have got them. And I love this too. I was talking to Santorio about this today uh, during our lunch break. Um, Trump was criticizing W's administration and then Jeb's like, well, he was busy keeping the country safe. It's like, dude, the worst terrorist attack since Pearl Harbor happened on your brother's watch. How about with some of the hijackers training in your backyard while you were governor, you asshole? Yeah. And how about you know? some, how about the people at the dome there after Hurricane Katrina? Jesus. How about the Iraq War? Oh yeah, that's. Oh my God. Revisionist safe. history that's going on in our country right now. And that got mad rabid applause too. Oh yeah. That was like when em- fucking Emperor Palpatine took over. <laughs> uh, extend more power in the Senate so we can bring back peace to the Republic. <laughs> and they're just the fucking the, all the galaxies are just groveling. And they don't even. And realize Halliburton got the contracts to build the Death Star. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> it's true. It's the same shit, man. The, yeah. the, the, the short-sighted. I mean, your brother's administration. The last couple months there were so bad. Not even Abraham Lincoln could have got elected. You know. Yeah. Was, well, I think he was right about that. Yeah, definitely right about that. So it was. Oh, it was a long debate. Yeah, three Ru- hours. Rubio did a little bit better. Yeah, he he came up a little bit. You know. Yeah, he was good. And Rub- then the. Junior varsity debate, Mike, you're calling Lindsey Graham the winner, right? I, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Lindsey Graham. Out, bust out that Lindsey Graham impression. Because if we get 10,000 boots on the ground, that's 5,000 penises <laughs> to fight ISIL. <laughs> and that's what we need right now. Are you going to say here that you're not going to put more troops over there? Because I will. I'll send them troops over there and I'll go with them. And then after, Mike, uh, we win, there's going to be a ceremony on what and what's going to happen? I don't know. Aircraft carrier? Remember you said I don't that? I remember. And then we'll have a... a we were rib- drinking some rum when we watched the debate, so I... We'll, we'll have a ribbon pin of ceremony mm. on top of an aircraft carrier so them boys can get some more sun, work on their tans. And then we're going to have Ben Carson performing surgeries. Yeah. He's going to take care of the head in the box from Seven and re, re-put it back on Gwyneth Paltrow's body so that she may live again. Yeah, do Carson saying that, Mike. We we will... One of, one of the tenets of my administration as a former brain surgeon and surgeon... Will be the end of seven. Wrath won't have to happen. Brad Pitt doesn't have to kill John Doe. Kevin Spacey. We will take the head in the box and reapply it back to Gwyneth's body so that she may live again and live in prosperity. That's what Carson was saying last night, you know, barely above uh, a whisper. Watch his so, numbers go up, though. Yeah. Oh, he'll surge. So the oh, next debate is shit. what, next month or something? Yeah, or? there'll be one next in the first Dem debate. They're only doing six. 
is in October. I think you're going to see O'Malley go after Clinton. Yeah, that, that dude, got, he got nothing to lose. Bernie is just going to be up there. Hey, look, okay, this is what we want to do here. We want $17 trillion to pay for everything. Yeah, isn't our deficit $17 trillion? So, Yeah, it's like closer to 20 How does that work? Just put it on the tab. Put it on the tab. Unreal. What's going on with Keith Richards, Mike? Yeah, I just uh, was reading today on Rolling Stone. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's what I was reading. That's what music sounds like nowadays. This week, uh, Keith Richards is releasing his first solo album since 1992, Cross-Eyed Heart. And in honor of that, they had five stories from Keith Richards' past about crazy shit that he did. Oh. One of them was snorting his father's ashes. Is that real or was that, that it, debunked? No, that is real. I've got, you, it, I've got it right here. Have you heard of that, Aaron? Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Keith Richards, he actually snorted his old man's ashes. He also, didn't he also get his stomach pumped from all the cum he ingested? That's not true, and that was about Rod Stewart. <laughs> no, I thought that was about um, Barry Dave, David Bowie. That that was that was no, a, that that one like did the rounds. No, it was a meme about a female entertainer, Gwyneth, Gwyneth Stefani. Yeah, yeah Gwen yeah, Stefani, yeah. you mean? Gwen. No, that's not true. No, it's not true. It's complete bullshit. But I know what Aaron's saying. No, it, was, it was about Rod Stewart originally. Okay. I think it, like a bunch of people were attached to that one. No, they, like they, it was just one of those urban legends. If they want that, to get the jizz out of Rod Stewart, they're going to give him a colonic. Like I had heard that Ashes thing about different people too. Oh, oh, oh that's, fucking, that's fucking lurid, dude. <laughs> and then it all ends with the gerbil coming out of Richard Gere's right, right, ass. Yeah. <laughs> that one, I believe. Five years Richard after the Gere, death. Richard Gere's ass. Oh, did I say Richard Gere? Richard Gere. <laughs> He's architect and engineer. Richard Gere. So Richard Gage is thermite coming out of his ass. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Richard Gage. Richard Gere. Yeah. Richard Gere's actually in a new movie where he plays a homeless guy. That looks pretty good. Uh, Nick Cage plays the gerbil oh. in his ass. I do. No, it's, I play the 40 ounce that he drinks. I had to do some serious character study, so I went out to Ferguson and hung out on the street. <laughs> Five years after the death of Bertrand Richards, Keith's father, the guitarist once implied he committed an inventive act that brought him closer to the dearly departed. The strangest thing I've ever tried to snort, me father. Oh. Richards reportedly told the UK's New Musical Express in 2007, he was cremated and I couldn't resist grinding him up a little bit of blow. In response to anyone who might have been offended, Richards said, my dad wouldn't have cared, he didn't give a shit. Although his manager later said that Richards had made the statement in jest, Keith provided some teasing details in his autobiography, Life, which I still got to read. I mean, oh, he just man. bashes Mick in that one. It just, Does he? I hear it's just a great read. You've always told me they hate each other. We can touch on that after. But As I took the lid off the box, a fine spray of his ashes blew out onto the table, Richards wrote. I couldn't just brush him off, so I wiped my finger over it and snorted the residue. I believe that. Yeah. Aren't there stories of... Uh, if like you're going to do heroin, snorting your dad's ashes, that's like normal. Right. I mean, who would get offended by that? Like, unless yeah. it's your fucking dad, uh, too. probably some like, mother's what, group. What do you like, care? Oh my God. What do you care what he does with his yeah, father's, mother's ashes? Yeah, Mothers Against Snorting Ashes. You've never yeah. heard of them? <laughs> the, the British chapter was... Yeah, uh, NASA. Mothers Against Snorting Ashes. Yeah, exactly. They're, 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 the, uh, they're Britain's answer to Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And another story here that I never heard this one before. This is a. Uh, this happened in 1967. Keith Richards purchased Redlands, a picturesque estate in Sussex, England, for twenty thousand pounds in 1966. A few months later, it became the site of one of the 60s most infamous, infamous drug busts. When 20 cops descended on the home in search of a little amount of illegal substance, I don't know that it was little. <laughs> Richards, Jagger, and Marion Faithful, who is a famous, you know, British singer. Uh, who were all coming down from a day-long acid trip, were ensnared in the raid. 
There's a knock on the door. I look out the window, and there's a whole lot of dwarves outside, Richards writes. I'd never been busted before, and I'm still on acid. It was later revealed that the police had been tipped off by a tabloid paper that had been tipped off by Richard's driver. So, we figure that one out. You know, what's up with the drivers? Like Justin Bieber's driver? You know? Princess Diana's driver? Yeah. He's Richard's driver? It's bad. A rumor immediately spread that the police had interrupted an orgy in which Jagger had been licking a Mars candy bar pushed into Faithful's vagina. In fact, Richards had politely answered the door, and the police had found what Faithful later called a scene of pure domesticity. Richards and Jagger were brought up on drug charges and received brief prison sentences that were eventually overturned. How the Mars bar got into the story, I don't know, Richards recalled. It shows you what's in people's minds. Wow. So they got other stories here about heroin heroin use, you know, using good stuff, skiing back in the 70s and uh, jumping out of a house that was on fire, wearing nothing but a short t-shirt, and uh, one time staying up for nine days straight. Eventually, wow. he fell asleep standing up and hit his head. The Woke dude, up to a pool of blood. That had to be Coke had to, to sponsor that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a little but bit Richard, of blow. He's been off the smack, though, for a while, right? I think he's been clean and sober, realistically, since 20 years? the late 70s. I mean, oh, re- realistically, long, okay. yeah. You know, and he talks about how people just define him by that, but he hasn't done, or he says he hasn't done that in many years. I mean, you're 72, 73 years old. You're probably not doing that anymore. You know, unfortunately, John Entwistle, John, say. the bass player from The Who, was still doing coke and hanging out with uh, with uh, Women of the Night, and uh, that did not end well what for him badass. at the age of 58. Yeah, I know. Good for him. And I love how The Who went back out on tour. Good for him. Because he, he just had, like, a fucking buttload of bills he had to pay. Yeah, he bought and too they, many guitars. Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend were like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Let's do Quadrophenia <laughs> to pay for your fucking coke bill. <laughs> Beautiful stuff, man. Mm. Beautiful stuff. And Keith Richards and Mick Jagger, they don't like each other? Is that real? Oh, they're like They're like... They're like old they're sisters. Like old brother- oh, we're sisters. <laughs> it goes back, you know. How long have they known each other? 50, 53 years or something like that? Right. So it's like a it's like a squabble. Yeah. They have their own dressing rooms. I can't believe those guys are still alive. They all live in different parts of the world, mostly. And So they- when they're not touring, they're not hanging out. No, they're not hanging out. And actually, next year, they might record a new album. So they just did the Zip Code tour, which was huge. Hugely successful. We saw the Stones 10 years ago down at Fenway Park. Yeah, which was more of a uh, more of a uh, an event than a show. Yeah, I, I, can't, I don't even remember it. Gary, Gary, Gary. Oh, speaking of Gary, I'm really excited. Tobin Bell is going to be at Rock and Shock this year. Who's Tobin Bell, Aaron? I have no idea. Jigsaw from Saw. Say, Aaron, he doesn't do anything. Aaron's like he lies here the whole movie. He doesn't do anything. What do, what's your take on on Jigsaw, Aaron? He's good at getting up off the floor. <laughs> Does a good job. I, I liked. I liked the first saw. It was a good movie. You never saw the sequels, though, did you? No. Uh, I saw the second one. Okay. You didn't see the fifteenth one. The, well, I saw the one with like the needle pit. Was that the second oh, one? Yeah, mm-hmm. gross. And then after that, I'm like, all right, okay. That's that the one to keep Richard's, Keith Richards' yeah. basement. Yeah. No, they, they. Oh, you found me pit. Yeah. I'll tell you, anyone out there who hasn't seen any of the Saw films, um, if you do watch most of them, and you make it to Saw Six. That's one of my personal favorites because Jigsaw <laughs> goes after the healthcare industry and the insurance industry, and it's great. I mean, it's it's a, it's I a, think it's a precursor to Obamacare. I think so. It's a horror film with a real political message. So if anyone hasn't seen Saw Six, please go out there and see that like immediately. Gary. So I'm hoping to meet Tobin Bell, and uh, I'm really excited about that. So he's going to be at Rock and Shock next That'll month. Be pretty down cool. in Worcester. We went there together last yeah, year. Yeah, we did. And we met Roddy Piper and Bill Mosley and Aaron. Please be the voice. Roddy of reason. will not be there this year. Yeah, he's probably ashes now himself. Be the voice of reason, Aaron, if you go with Mike and he's tempted to spend money on. I will. I'll have shit. to be. 
I'm only really excited to meet Tobin Bell. All right. Will you come with me? Yeah, I'll okay. go. Maybe we'll set the recording gear up or something. I want to see who's actually playing across the street. Juggalo. Oh, what? Juggalo band. <coughs> Next time anyone's on YouTube, just type in Juggalove. It's this really hilarious Juggalo dating thing that some guy made. <laughs> oh, really? What, what is this? A group called Handlebar Mustache. It's a comedy group. I don't know. They did the... They did the oh, uh, the, the Saw thing? Jigsaw is your roommate, the little Gary. puppet. Gary. Yeah, and the, the guy's name is Gary. Yeah, and, and the, the little, little doll, Billy the Puppet, is like, I want to play a game. Yeah. He's like, what's it like living with Jigsaw? Not as fun as I thought it was going to be. So then there's a scene where he's sleeping and the little puppet descends upon his bed and goes, Gary. 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 He's like, oh, I'm awake. I'm awake. You're surrounded by mouse traps. <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking funny. We'll put the link up on, on the Facebook. That's awesome, man. <sighs> Lenny Clark, dude. About yeah, it? so last about Lenny Clark, Aaron. Last week we said we had an announcement coming that we couldn't make just yet. De Niro, but let me tell you guys something. All right, this is really big, very exciting stuff in New Hampshire around here. My band Northern Stone will be opening up for the legendary Boston comedian Lenny Clark next Epic. month. Epic, dude. I'm I'm really excited for this man. This is a real coup. Um, this is an event to help out the Ringe Pipeline Awareness Group. Um, a few episodes back, you'll remember, we had Marianne Harper on yes. to discuss the NED and the pipeline that a lot of people in New Hampshire are very much opposed to. I don't know anyone who's for it. <sighs> Unless they're getting paid. Yeah, probably the Bushes. Unless they're getting it. $2 million from Kinder Morgan like Jeb Bush. Yeah, wink, wink. And so we were contacted by, the, basically Marianne wanted to know if my band would be interested in being involved. And we, we, all four of us, you know, we, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a political person. I'm involved in politics. We usually, as a band, try to not do political stuff, you know, and not, not be too uh, out there, you know what I mean, with, with our, our views on stuff. Like, when you're doing entertainment, you just try to stick to entertaining the crowd and not having a political <coughs> message. Don't insert your politics. Although, we've, you know, we've mixed it up a little bit. I mean, G-Love, our bass player, you know, when the Sandusky thing happened, he wore a white T-shirt with... Um, you know, the number of kids that have been molested. You know, he's made statements like that. We've done stuff like that. And That's we did, art. We've done a few, you know, kind of semi, you know, events. But this is, uh, we're all on board with this. And none of us are in favor of the pipeline. We don't want this going through our backyard. And Lenny Clark has graciously agreed to donate his time to come up and perform. And it will be at Hidden Hills in Ringe, New Hampshire. And it's on Thursday, October 15th at 6.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. And the, we'll put the link up on our page uh, to get tickets but they are $30 a piece and $55 for a couple and for a table of eight it's $200 so this is going to be a good time I mean this is a night out you know it's a Thursday night everything's done before 10 o'clock good music good comedy it's for a good cause I hope everybody comes out to uh, check it out yeah that'll be awesome dude and we're working on getting Lenny to maybe come on the podcast yeah That'd be sick to sit down with Lenny. Yeah, that'd be, I mean, Rescue Me. Ask him how much of a fucking prima donna Dennis Leary was on the set of Rescue Me. I don't, no. these, these tissues aren't the ones I ordered. I'm Irish. Yeah, I'm Irish. I'm a baby. I smoke cigarettes. I wish that I was a fireman. I don't have the balls to do it, but I want to be one. His cousin was, though. That's His cousin cool. died in the Worcester fire there. That's that right. Day. No, no, Dennis Leary's done no, a lot. I love Dennis Leary. Great. He's done a lot of great shit for firemen. And, yeah, and he, ripped off, he ripped off uh, Bill Hicks. You yeah, know? Bill Hicks. Oof. Rolling in his grave. We can get into that some other time. Yeah. And then, uh, what's going on with, uh, like, these people in fast food not wanting to serve cops? 
Yeah, there was a... Um, what was the place called? Whataburger? Yeah, actually, Poopsie told me about this story. Let me grab that here. You ever heard about that, Aaron? Uh, I saw the link on Facebook. I didn't I didn't yeah. click, though. Yeah. yeah, two police officers say that they were denied service at a popular southern fast food chain in Louisville, Texas, because they worked in law enforcement. While taking a break from working overnight traffic security at a construction site, officers Michael McGovern and Cameron Beckham entered a, a Whataburger to grab something to eat. Officer McGovern says, even before ordering, an employee told them, we don't serve police officers. <laughs> so where'd they go instead? They went to Dairy Queen. They did. So after its Facebook page was flooded with complaints, Whataburger says it opened up an investigation into the claim. Wow. So they did the investigation. They determined that the employee did, in fact, deny entry, and they fired him. Wow. And they said, you know, we want to make things right. We're going to meet with the, with the officers um, now, you know, are they still, are the officers still going to eat there? McGovern says he still plans on eating there, um, but Beckham expressed concern to Fox Channel 4. It really strikes a nerve personally and professionally, because maybe he's joking, or maybe he's not, referring to the employee, but how do we trust that individual or that company to cook anyone's food now? <sighs> did, did he hawk, did he hawk a loogie in his burger? <sighs> you know? Yeah. And this kind of leads to a wider thing about, you know... This is a larger narrative. ...what's going on right now with law enforcement in our country. Um, on a grimmer note, recent high-profile police killings have led some to believe that there is a seismic shift in the perception of law enforcement. Oh, absolutely. Creating a dangerous environment for police. Some pundits has e have even said it's open season on police officers. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some groups out there that are basically saying they want to hunt cops. Um, we were in New York City last December. Um, there was a uh, couple of officers that were killed in Brooklyn. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And that was basically just like a uh, like a retaliation like, thing. Random. On uh, well, in their mind, it was retaliation for uh, Michael Brown, of course, and then Eric Garner. Didn't that guy kill someone else though? Like, didn't he like just kill his girlfriend, and then he he drove like to Brooklyn and and killed those two cops? Like that guy was gonna that guy was a fucking nut. He was going down anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah no, he yeah. was found mentally, um, I think, um, incompetent. Um, but statistics on police killings can be inconsistent because of the lack of data collected on such incidents. Incidents, but a 2014 ProPublica analysis showed young black men are 20, 21 times more likely to be killed by the police than white men. I mean, I believe that. That's true. Yeah. Um, but you know that, and we've ta obviously talked about this before. Uh, most police officers out there are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to help people, trying to help their communities, and they're good people. You know, but. You have heightened situations and shit happens, but I definitely think that there there is a, you know, race comes into it. And race is part of it, and one of the things that needs to stop happening is the militarization of our cops, of their equipment, of their training, of everything involved with law enforcement. I mean, these are not, this is not Syria. This is the United States of America. You know, it's supposed to be neighborhood watch. It's supposed to be community-driven, community-oriented. And a lot of our police forces look like fucking stormtroopers, you know, mm. and that that's scary and that's not getting any better. And all this leftover equipment from Iraq and from the Middle East, the Pentagon has all of it lying around. They spent billions of dollars of taxpayer money on it. What are they going to do with it? How are they going to justify it? Auction it off to a local police oh, department. Auction it off. Fucking give it to them. Hand it. Beg them to take it. Yeah. Learn how to train, you know, on this stuff like tanks. I mean, dude, look at after the Boston bombing, man, the marathon bombing. You had tanks in the streets of Boston. 
That's fucked. Yeah, hashtag tank outside my house. Selfie, tank selfie. <sighs> People loved it too, man. God. They were like fucking. Well, yeah, that that was you know part of that was to really test how far they could take martial law, you know. Yeah. So. I don't know. Obviously, we, we don't really deal with this too much in New Hampshire, but this is a real issue that's going on in the country yeah, right now. Yeah, it's really It's serious. not going away. You know, it's I mean, not... I'm, I'm always really nervous when I get pulled over by a cop, even you know, even I, that I know that I did nothing wrong. Right. And I don't have a gun on me. I don't have any drugs on me. You still like... Your heart races. Your heart races, Aaron, right? Yeah, and... eh, I don't... Not really. I mean, I don't get too nervous anymore. How do you anymore, handle but... it? I'm just, you know... You just sit there, right? I'm just, yeah, I just make sure fucking... you can see your hands like you have them up. No, no. no I just have I have my shit ready to go. I got my shit yeah. in my hand when he asked for it. I give it to him. Right. I, I, I just hate when they fucking, like, they ask you to tell them, like, oh, what did you do wrong? I don't yeah, know. So that's your job. You over, like, I pulled you over. <laughs> like, yeah. pull you over. It's what, just, that's, what, that's what bugs me. Why, is why do you they... think I interrupted watching porn in my cruiser to pull you over? Yeah. I was about that, to come. That's what bugs me is when they just kind of... They, 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 you know, they, they give you like those dead end, like, like questions where like, I yeah. don't, I don't just, let's get on with it here. Yeah. Either give me a ticket or don't. I'm sorry. I don't have big boobs. I'm sorry. I'm not going to blow you. <laughs> Smile. And then blow me. Yeah. When Mel, when Mel Gibson gets pulled over, it's a little bit different than yeah. when an African American gets pulled over. Yeah. He got some things to say about the Jews. So, you know, it's a sad state of affairs and. Hopefully uh, something will be done. Before we take a break, why don't we give a couple of shout-outs to uh, yeah. some people on Facebook who yeah, are following us. Kind of a new fun thing to keep listener engagement up and everybody enjoying Jackman Radio. Got some shout-outs. Uh, my boy Stephen Lacey, Franklin Pierce alumni, uh, host of two awesome podcasts, the Energy Gang podcast, which is great, and then his personal one called Postscript, which deals with... Uh, everything in our lives about the media and about uh, he did a great thing about the vi- viral video about things going viral and where that started so that was pretty interesting uh, my boy Ashwan what up Ashwan we hope that you're healing healing up from your car accident and uh, doing well Mr. Bartek oh Bartek Bartek yeah. in Connecticut Bartek's down there fishing and uh, yeah like just, just kind of running game down yeah, in the what, greater like Norwich six, six five yeah he's like yeah our last apartment he came to visit he seriously like yeah. Touch the ceiling. Like, I'm eye level with Bartek's ass. <laughs> He's huge. Good guy. Good man. Yeah. Obviously, he... Poopsie. Hey, Poopsie. Hey, Poopsie. Faithful listener. Sometimes he listens twice. Does he? Three. He's a big fan of you, Aaron, too. Uh, allegedly. No, it's, it's true. <laughs> you were in the Poopsie. He was up here. Yeah, yeah, I met him. Yeah, he loves you. Juliana Wilson. Oh, hey, Juliana. She's uh, doing a, a, a thing at Franklin Pierce with the uh, Fitzwater um group there she does interviews with the boston herald radio during the day uh on some weekdays so you can check that out and she's of course the uh uh editor and uh proprietor of cider mag which i write for and uh, she does a very good job with that she's also the manager of roots of creation Mm -hmm. oh okay yeah i love those guys yeah exactly so she's her husband's friggin uh, brett brett Brett. wilson just the uh, guitarist and singer super mega talent so hello to juliana and uh, i look forward to the next edition of cider mag coming out i will be uh my concert review from brian wilson from a couple months ago will be published did you write that i did it's already it's already been written in the can she will be she does a great job editing you know and uh the next review i'm gonna write will be the justin hayward concert of course we went to it flying monkey Mm-hmm she hooked that up for us and um yeah it'll be good shout out to lorenzo lorenzo sardoni holding it down in gadna gadna driving the 
ambulance and just you know, driving the meat wagon. He got promoted recently too. Winning. Yeah, so killing it down there. Our sister Laura, LJ, aka Aunt, aka Tween, aka Sweets, aka CEO of Pillars. Pillars. Yeah, Pillars to the Future. Just turned twenty six. Yep, she got an LLC going down there in Washington D.C. She's keeping it real and she's killing it. Super proud of you, sis. Uh, the fucking greatest rapper to ever come out of Winchenden, Chris Coos. Oh, yeah. From another mother. He's good. Dude, yes. you, and, you and him fucking held it down in produce. We did. At, at Ringe Market Basket. We did work the produce. You guys were the Green Coat Mafia. Something like that. That shit was real. Like, hey, we knew about every cucumber coming through that department. All the, and, and they were some of them were called the Ron Jeremy's? Yeah, some of them so were. So they might grab the Ron Jeremy? Grab the Jeremy's. Oh, my God. Uh, Lisa Record owns J.P. Stevens in Ringe. Long-time family friend. Used you know. to, I used to work at J.P. Stevens. I waited tables there for about a year. I was I was a terrible waiter, you know, sweating, fat, overweight, Get, slow. Getting the wrong orders. Get, taking out the wrong orders. Very charming. Eating people's food off their plate when they very, weren't looking. Very charming. I always exceeded 20% tip. Wow. Because that's, of how good I was. That's very industrious. I was like, like good. Like, really good. So you pick yourself up off your bootstraps when you came over from Cuba. You waited tables. Yeah. You so, know. Lisa Record, we love you. Keep listening. Uh, Matt St. John. Oh, uh, St. Jimmy. St. Jimmy wants us to say that 9-11 was not an inside job. Okay. He wanted right. to make sure that we... Be, that we said that? That we specified that. Right, okay. Because yeah. we always say it is. For, yeah, oh yeah, totally is. Yeah. Even though we, we uh, basically bring the most solid evidence out there about uh, Saudi Arabia involvement. Oh, absolutely. About the cover-up. The cover-up. Yeah. Just, yeah, I mean, St. Jimmy... You he's know, our favorite right-wing evangelical he's my favorite Catholic, Catholic Vatican. Yeah. Yeah. He's my favorite Vatican spokesperson. We yeah. love you, St. Jimmy. Yeah, we love we you, love, We want you to come on the podcast sometime. That would be great. We will talk about something way more important than 9-11, and that is Deflategate and Tom Brady. Absolutely. And I will be a Protestant for that episode. Oh, man. And he can be the Catholic. That would be heavy. And we'll fight, and then we'll settle our differences. And then we'll pray. Love you, Matt St. John. Uh, Nicole Slocum, a.k.a. Nicole Hanolt. Hanolt, yeah. Classmate, Conan, class of 05. I hope she comes to the reunion. She said, uh, bring up the dislike button on Facebook. I don't think that's something that's going to actually happen. Is that real, Aaron? Have you heard about that? Yeah, they're doing it. Wow, my ego has already taken a fucking hit. So um, I'm going to get so many dislikes. (laughs) Really? I heard they weren't doing it. Uh, I heard they're doing it. Well, I dislike that. Right. How about this? If you don't like something, don't fucking like it. Yeah, I kind of, I, I get you know, that. It's just going to lead to more cyberbullying. But, and, but and also, like, you have to, like, you can't just, like, it is, like, fair. Like, I mean, you know, I mean. It's your way of going. You can't, you can't, you can't take the compliments without Do taking the criticism. Boo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Give us a boo. Boo. Ah, he booed the and, boo. And uh, Doug Reamer, man. Got to give Doug Reamer a oh, shout Doug out. Doug Reamer. Good man. Huge fan, supporter of Jackman Radio. Awesome guy. Knows Dude, what's going on. We were at Dunkin' Donuts. He was in front of us. He comped our Dunkins. He did. He just morning. he does that for random strangers. It happened to be us that were that was behind him. Doug, you're a beautiful so, man. Doug's a great man. One of the only people Thank I stay in touch with from a, a former job that, that I held. Yeah. Lorenzo's another one. And, of course, Luke Parento. Oh, yeah. Who's, who's a big... Uncle Parento, shout out to you, brother. Yeah. A lot of great people listening. And we have a lot of great friends, and we're very lucky to, to, to have. So if you want to get a nice little shout out... And a little stroking on Jackman Radio. All you got to do is respond to a post that we put up before we record. Give us a topic you want us to take a bite out of. Because you know the Jackmans are good at taking a bite out of things. They love to eat. Their waistlines are indicative of that. And we'll give you a little shout out. Maybe share a little anecdote about how we know you and why we love you. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Lots more to come on Jackman Radio. fast-paced world, a split second can be the difference between achieving your dreams Hey, I just won the Nobel Peace Prize! and not. Oh, wonder if wrestling's on tonight. More Americans are realizing if you don't have the latest and greatest technological devices, you will fall behind. I didn't upgrade my personal organizer and two days later I was diagnosed with a terminal illness. <laughs> That's exactly why you should come visit the friendly people at House of Tomorrow and they'll set you up with all your 21st century technology needs. I only spent $20,000 and now I can get email in the shower or surf the internet while I'm driving. I was bored stupid at my daughter's recitals and my son's little league games. Thanks to House of Tomorrow, I can play wireless head-to-head 3D virtual reality polka literally anywhere. If it's a flash in the pan technology of absolutely no use to anyone, you can find it at House of Tomorrow. Remember, only technology makes life worth living. House of Tomorrow. We'll upgrade your system, then you can upgrade your life. Feels like it's been such a long time since I've been feeling up. I've been in a rut, half empty cup. Didn't realize what I had was a complication. Here's a little roots of creation for you. What's the name of that song? Another song of freedom. Another song of freedom. Those guys are fucking talented. I like that. Right in our own backyard, right? They perform a lot at Harlow's and uh, you know all over the New England and festivals and uh, really cool guys. We want them in our backyard, not the pipeline. Hell yeah. They rock against the pipeline, too, by the way. Do they? Yeah. Winning. Righteous stuff. Here we go, Poopsie. This is the second bottle that's been open. Uh, this is uh, more cheap red wine. Yeah, Gallo Family Vineyards, Merlot, California. Here we go, here we go. Oh, very distinguished. Maybe you could go on Hannibal sometime and talk about what kind of wine pairing with kidney you would do. Ooh, you compare the <laughs> kidney with sort of wine and the liver. <laughs> you have that wine and the liver. I thought that maybe Dr. Dr. Bloom was trying to help you, or is she trying to psychoanalyze you without realizing she's psychoanalyzing you? Maybe she's trying to help and psychoanalyze. Speaking of psycho, uh, next week, or actually the last week of September, uh, I'm going to New Haven, Connecticut to see Jesus and Mary Chain, and they're performing their seminal shoegaze, just classic opus, Psycho Candy, in its entirety. And I'm really excited. So thanks to Dave Ace for securing tickets to that. Uh, I'm going with G-Love, the bass player for Northern Stone. And it's going to be an epic night. Dr. G-Love. Dr. G-Love. Dr. Love. Dr. Grant Love. That's one of my favorite bands, dude. Not only that, that's one of my favorite albums. Dude, G-Love and Special Song. Exactly. So that'll be a fun night. And I'm trying to angle some after-show passes to do a little little interview some so, kind of comp I'll be writing a review about that show that'll probably be coming out in November probably winning so, good stuff right there man you hear about the um, 
Arab kid down in Florida, or Texas, Aaron, who got arrested for I did the, the clock. clock. Yeah, yeah, that was a sketchy looking clock, though. <laughs> did it tell the time? I mean, I saw the picture all, of that what clock. What time zones did it? It was Gaza Strip time zone. Ah, was it about Apple Watch or something? Jesus. This week started ter- uh, pretty terribly for Texas high school student Ahmed Mohammed. On Monday, the teen who was Muslim brought to school a clock that he, he was proud to have made on his own and was arrested for what police initially and falsely said was a hoax bomb. By midweek, his face and name were splashed across traditional and social media and he'd received thousands of tweets and Facebook posts and encouragement from President Barack Obama, who invited him to the White House and praised his love of science. Leaders at Reddit and Twitter offered him internships. Google executives said they were reserving Ahmed a spot at their weekend science fair, and MIT asked him to visit campus. Wow. Dude, I want to, like, fucking build a bomb and then go to MIT. You know? No, he didn't really build a bomb. I mean, it, it looked like that uh, That clock looked like the one of the bombs that, uh, like, Wile E. Coyote would get from, like, Acme, you know? It's just, like, wires like hanging off of it. Like a cartoon bomb. Yeah, just, yeah. like, really quick. Yeah. Which further friggin' yeah. adds to the point that the people who, who fucking cooked this up and got there going are retards. Yeah. Well, you know, this this dude was 14, man, so he must have been pretty scared. That's why, like, so- zero, zero to- tolerance policies are so... I don't understand it because like why can't you administrations they just they, they get so lazy and Ugh. sick of dealing with case right. by case things so they just you know you know a kid that's why you can't bring like aspirin to school anymore is because there's zero tolerance policy it's turned into a zero tolerance for yeah. creativity that's what our yeah. schools are. I was talking about this with my buddy with Booksy today like what's happened to our schools man kids are just like fucking cattle now you got your iPhone you got your car, daily dose of Kardashian. You got, I mean, they used to beat kids in school, so it's I getting know, getting man. a little better. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah I guess some kids you should be beat. Let's yeah. be honest. At the Wharton School of Business, if you didn't do well, you got beat. <laughs> but uh, man, this is pretty pretty horrible. Um, so yeah, today more details came out about his, his arrest. He lives in Irving, Texas, and it says in an interview with uh, NBC's Chris Hayes. Ahmed said he was pulled out of class at MacArthur High School by his principal and five, count them, five police officers and taken to a room where he was questioned for about an hour and a half. Mm. It's like, dude. That's ridiculous. And he wasn't allowed to call his parents, right? He asked the adults if he could call his parents. They yeah. told me, no, you cannot call your parents, Ahmed said. You're in the middle of an interrogation at the moment. They asked me a couple of times, is it a bomb? And I answered a couple of times, it's a clock, dickheads. I added the dickhead part. Right. I mean, fourteen-year-old kid in interrogation. I mean, what does what, what does a principal want to get a job at Gitmo? You know? Yeah. This is fucking outrageous. I felt like a criminal. He said, "I felt like I was a terrorist. I felt like all the names I was called." So you know, obviously he's been bullied. I mean, you're you're a Muslim down in Texas. Yeah, get <laughs> out of there. Unless you're a member of the Al Qaeda Taliban delegation going to check out a natural gas reserve, <laughs> you ain't gonna be treated well. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Al-Qaeda. The Taliban visited Texas when Bush was governor. A Taliban official. Yeah, that was really psych. That's, that's, say, that's, yeah. like, that's really fucking psychedelic. And he got, like, con- confronted by some, some female, female journalist. journalist who yep. just, you know, she showed up wearing a, a, a burqa and to, like, took it off, protest right? him, took it off, and said, I gotta say, this is horrible the way your women are treated. And he doesn't break a sweat. He looks over to her. He just goes, I would feel very bad for your husband. He might have a tough time with you. That's art. He zinged her. Yeah, he should have been on the debate stage. When this fucking kid was in middle school, he's called a bomb maker and a terrorist. Dude, what does this tell you about the effect that the media and Hollywood 
in the 24-7 news cycle and just the fear-mongering that has been cooked up since 9-11 about Muslim people and Arabs has, has had. So this, so these kids are 14, 15. They were born just the year of or the year prior yeah. to 9-11. So literally all these kids know, all they understand is the, the propaganda that our, our fucking corporate-controlled and CIA-manipulated media has been feeding Right. It's almost like Zero Dark Thirty. Exactly. Good point, Mike. It goes back to what we talked about with Zero Dark Thirty last week. Well, how about the way that uh, members of the Sikh religion have been treated, too, who are not? They're no, not Islamic. Uh, it's kind of like, but if you're in they, school, though, like, you kind of just, that's what you go, like, well, you, just, think, right, you just look, well, you just look for whatever, like, the, you know, if you're a fat kid, you get picked on because you're fat. If you're, you know, if you're a, Let's beat up the goth kid. Yeah, yeah. It's just, that's what kind of what, kids are lazy. That's just what they go to. You know that's what I mean? Point. So. Right, so call, I don't know if it's a, as deep as you call know. Him a terrorist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I, mean, I yeah. haven't even really been in a high school environment since I was a substitute teacher for a year, um, you know, five years ago. I can't imagine what the environment's like now, uh, with with the iPhones and the smartphones. And the I don't fucking... understand. Like they, I mean, they should have handled that. Like especially now, like stories like this get out so quickly. Like. They should have, like, the administration should have realized, all right, we need to handle this in the right way so it's not all over, you know, Facebook tomorrow. Yeah, so Japanese like radio doesn't bitch about it up in, in New Hampshire. It's in, it's in the school's best interest to handle it quietly and, you know, like, respectfully, you know? And okay. you don't need, like, five cops. That's just getting more attention. That's the dragnet yeah, showing up. Yeah, it's just, like, I don't understand. In, the, in this dude, he's never, he's a quiet, soft-spoken, very nice, kind kid. Never been in trouble before. Um, his father said, my son's name is Muhammad. People just attack Muslims as terrorists, but we are peaceful and we are not that way, he said. He was furious that the school didn't contact him right away to tell him his son had been arrested. Instead, he first learned of what happened when police called him. Muhammad said he rushed to the station and saw his son, quote, surrounded by five police and he was handcuffed. The school later suspended um, Ahmed for three days, his father said. And Muhammad said his son was at first embarrassed by what happened, but then was lifted and emboldened by the widespread support that he received. I think you're going to see probably a big lawsuit, too. A big old fat oh, lawsuit. Absolutely. ACLU coming in, getting a chag. <laughs> ACLU all over this. But, oh my God. How, yeah. how, how ridiculous. I know. I think people should be more, more pissed off about the, this asshole from the league. And from Buffalo oh, Wild Wings. Oh, that's such so a great story. Dude, what's his Steve, name? Steve Ranazizi. Ranazizi. Red yeah. Nazi. Yeah. Steve Ranazizi. Asshole. Yeah. This, 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 this dude claimed that he was at the World Trade Center on 9-11, um, you know, during the attacks, working for Merrill Lynch on the 54th floor. And it turns out the whole thing was a complete fabrication. He was not and there. He did not survive the attacks. The one thing you have to give to him is he, he, he brought it up. Like he kind of outed himself. Like no one kind of called him on it. He just said, yeah, that was, I probably that shouldn't was have bullshit. said that. He back kept the thing before. going for a while. Yeah. yeah. I was in my mom's basement with my thumb in my ass watching porn. on. I went back and listened because he, he, if you go, uh, if you listen to Mark Maron's podcast, you can go he back. He was on and, Mark Maron. Yeah, right? I went back and listened to it and listened to because he told his whole like account on there. Right, back in and, 2009, uh, initially. He... It's just weird. Like, I don't really understand the mentality of... Because of, of, he, he told that, like, he kind of came up with that whole story. I think it was in, like, 2009 when he, you know, he was kind of... I think the league had probably just started and he was really... His career was, like, kind of taken off. Um, so I, it's just a very strange... Um, and then when I was listening to him on Mark Marin, you know, he's got all these strange details and, you know, it's just very 
weird how people because you know i lie about shit you know like you know and sometimes i'll be in the day and i'll just i'll just come up with random fucking scenarios that might have happened to me at some point and like i feel like he just like he just probably blurred well i i I bet he just like said something at one point to someone and like once you say that you can't like you be like oh wait no that wasn't me i'm i'm mistaken you gotta commit yeah you just have to and like i feel like it probably just snowballed on him to the point of just like you know you know what this reminds me of that documentary about that woman the woman yeah. who wasn't there yeah oh, did yeah. you see that yeah she was a spanish she was from spain or uh, latin america somewhere mm-hmm. yeah i think originally so. and claimed to be oh, she, above she the point like, of impact she was like the president of like the like survivors survivor group. group yeah she like my, my, she descended to, to no she ascended to become the president of like a survivor oh yeah group. there's pictures of her pataki complete fraud Mike, complete she fraud. Was, didn't it come to light she wasn't even in the states on 9/11? No, she was. I think she was in another country. And that's the other thing. Like when you know, people don't like, you know, Mark Marin didn't go and fact check well, after did, the interview. Did, nobody it's, did. It's because well, yeah, you I can't mean, call someone out well, on shit like that. If someone's gonna come at you and then show real conviction in their story. Yeah. yeah. Be like, dude, I was. I, mean, I was fucking there. There are real celebrities uh, or people of note who who do have some kind of involvement or were supposed to be on a plane like. Uh, the guy who created Family Guy, Seth mm-hmm. MacFarlane, who does the voice of uh, everybody, Stewie, P- yeah, every every character, um, missed Flight Eleven, which was the uh, the one Muhammad Atta crashed into the uh, you know the first tower there. And Mark Wahlberg, who was supposed to be on the same flight, uh, also did not. Oh, make that's it too out. bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this guy, man, you know what this. I don't think he should get a pass. And Buffalo Wild Wings, of course, he, you know, he's in this stupid football show. Oh, the league. About fantasy football. Yo, do you watch the it, league? It just shows you the level of intelligence, you know. There's, of course, like a guy that. like this, you know. Dude, the league was so good last night. He's the official fucking Buffalo Wild Wings dude, hawking fucking shitty-ass chicken wings yeah. and promoting fucking fantasy football. And some dumbass Buffalo Wild Wings. I won't step foot in another one of those places. There's like 400 screens in there, and they're all on volume 700. Yeah, it's bad. You can't even think straight. You're like, oh, what kind of wings do you want? Uh, you're like, give me the one that gets Tom Brady's jizz on it. Yeah, I'll have those wings. Have it those sounds wings. good. Give me the Tom Brady jizz wings. Hey, football! So at least at least he came clean. He said, I don't know why I said this. This was inexcusable, and I am truly, truly sorry. So... Okay, you yeah. got some splain. Forgive him, but you know, don't. I, I mean, mean bu- dude, I think dude. Buffalo Wild Wings is probably reevaluating their yeah. relationship, <laughs> not thinking it's a good deal going forward. Even like Trump at Univision. Yeah, exactly. He's got a special coming out this week too, which is even worse. Oh, does he really? Yeah. Maybe the timing though is yeah. perfect. Uh, f- Inter- I, I, interest, Aaron. I, I, I doubt that you would. I'll fucking... be honest, Aaron. I never heard about this guy until this happened. Well, you recognize his skull, his stupid fucking face. Yeah, his chin, him his, and his chin. Yeah, his chin. It's just yeah. his stupid looking grin that he has. Stupid head. Yeah, just his big. <laughs> Dumb, big head dumb on him. fat league head that he has, <laughs> you know. So, Buffalo, what an asshole! So, Sally Smith from Buffalo Wild Wings is launching her own investigation. Wow! Much like the investigation we talked about earlier from. Um, oh, they'll get to the Buffalo the, Wild uh, Wings. Buffalo, will get to the bottom. Yeah, of they're things. gonna fucking figure things out. Yeah, no, a fuck. That brand will not suffer. What's there to investigate? He fucking came clean. <laughs> He's he a lied. lying asshole. He admit to it, and he sucks. Mike, what a kick in the balls to people who were there and lost. Lo- and Willie Rodriguez, Bob McElvain's son. Yeah, it's, it's fucking. It's the horrible. List, the list goes on, dude. It, it's really bad. All the firemen, the three hundred and forty-three firemen who died. It's a bad one. That's oh, really bad. That's so. sick. Hey, you know, well, like Aaron said, yeah, we all we all like you know like to fib or exaggerate or, um, you know wash our emails like Hillary but uh, that's kind of a big one Aaron I was at 9-11 mm. yeah you know I was there in yeah. the fucking plane 
I was on the toilet when the plane hit, and I just it just missed me. He thought that the the you know pilots of the plane were drunk. That's he was with the... Brian Williams at the time. Ah, ah. So good. Oh, that's yeah. Great. So, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Williams and Brian Williams yeah. was the pilot of the plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got out just in time. Oh, that's so fucking good. How about this shit with wow. the prison reform going on too? Kind of related to the law enforcement stuff. I mean, God. you have Obama being the first uh, sitting president to visit a federal to ever visit a federal prison, which is and interesting. Then, um, Did he play guitar? Uh, I don't know. Some prison, maybe he'll do have like a bootleg. Oh. It's like, want to see some cool videos of Arabs getting killed with drone yeah. bombs in Yemen? I got those. I got that shit. I got that shit. Um, well, yeah, I wanted to talk about Bernie Sanders. Uh, this is a thing that I really like about Bernie. Um, basically saying that he wants to end the private-for-profit prison racket because prisons in our country are a for-profit enterprise and um, anytime that there's a bottom line involved lots of bad shit happens. Uh, let's see. Bernie said the private motiva- uh, motivation of private companies running prisons works at cross-purposes with goals of criminal justice. Criminal justice and public safety are without a doubt the responsibility of the citizens of our country, not private corporations. This should, they should be carried out by those who answer to voters, not those who answer to investors. Taxpayers pay $80 billion a year to incarcerate 2.3 million people, according to lawmakers. Of the nearly 1.6 million people in federal and state prisons in 2013... 8.4% were in private facilities. No so that's, shit. that's a big old chunk out of $80 billion. By the way, can we get Sodexo out of there? Yeah. Too? Can we yeah. get Sodexo out of the food, high schools? Food is horrible. Maybe <laughs> mm, yeah. prison uh, food's better. I don't know. Maybe if you privatize Keith it. Keith Ellison, who is, Buffalo Wild who is um, co-sponsoring this bill in the House because he's from Minnesota, um, said that the private prison industry spends millions of dollars each year lobbying for harsher sentencing laws and immigration policies that serve its bottom line. He said, incarceration should be about rehabilitation and public safety, not profit. And uh, so Bernie's got legislation going in the Senate. It's going to be called the um, Justice is Not for Sale Act. And the legislation would reinstate the federal parole system, which was abolished in 1984. 1984, funny enough. How Orwellian. Yeah, it will increase oversight of companies that provide banking and telephone services for inmates. I mean, people don't even, like, fucking think about that shit. Yeah. it's That's, like, pretty involved, Mike. The people who, who serve as prisoners oh, banking the prison dump. racket? It, yeah. would, it would also end the requirement that immigration and customs enforcement maintain 34,000 detention beds. Uh, Senator Sanders said the bill represents only a piece of the, major, of the major criminal justice reforms he believes are needed. But he's convinced the issue can find bipartisan support. Making sure that corporations are not profiting from the incarceration of fellow Americans is an important step forward. I'm all on that, dude. Yeah, why, why should... Okay, yeah, I, I agree with people who say, you know, why should... there? Obviously, there's overhead for anything you do, okay? There's admin fees. What if we took the profit out of the prison system, we took the profit out of war, you know, take the profit out of, you know, uh, the justice system, you know, just... Yeah, I mean, just people making all kinds of money off of other people suffering and misfortune. Think about these numbers again. Taxpayers pay $80 billion a year, $80 billion, to incarcerate 2.3 million people. Yeah, it's bloated. So they're bloated. They're making making a fucking killing out of this. There is so much money in this. A lot of them are in there for nonviolent drug crimes, too. Most of them are in there for drugs, you know, which leads to another thing 
you know, Trump's running his yap about immigration and illegals and all that shit. He's not even talking about the war on drugs. Yeah, mm. you should, yeah, you should mention the that. twenty thousand or so deaths that happen a year on our border with Mexico. The, the majority are related to drugs. That's where Gary Johnson's right on the fucking money about this kind of thing. Who he was a border governor for eight years in New Mexico. So he knows what he's talking about. He, dude, he he knew about some of them dumb bod dead bodies that some wash of them up. severed heads. Jesus. Ben Carson, I will go to the border and I will reattach all the severed heads. Ah. Even the ones that have cocaine in them. So that what? So that they may live again. Ah. So look it up. Check out prison reform. Uh, look into what Bernie Sanders is saying about this. This is good stuff. Uh, Senator Jim Webb, who I really like and not, you know, have 100% endorsed yet for president, talking about this stuff. My boy, John, former CIA agent John Kariaku who blew the whistle on waterboarding is talking about this. That dude was in federal prison for like... Over two years. Yeah, over two years. Two and a half years. He's, he lived this shit. And we're hoping to see actually see him in person next yeah. month. We want to announce the Make yes. America Great Again road, road trip, trip by the Jackman brothers and their father, Tony. Tony Jackman. Jackman Radio is hitting the road. We're going to Connecticut. We're going to New York City. We're going to Washington, D.C. And we're going to take back the White House. And- <laughs> And everywhere in between. If anybody wants to see us and hang out and get a pint or, yeah. you know, whatever. I if mean, you live, like, between Ringe, New Hampshire and Washington, D.C. Exactly. We're coming. If you've got, like, a hot meal, a cold beer, and a warm bed, yeah. we'll be there. You got steak. Yeah. You got beer. You know, maybe the maybe the Bruins game will be on. Yeah, whatever. Bruins will be playing by then. So we're hoping to, you know, we're hoping to have like a nice Greek feast with John Kiriakou. Yeah, I love that guy. Fucking love that We're going to see our sister. We're going to see our, our friend Elds in New York City. Uh, Scarin, hopefully Richard Barone. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're dubbing it the Make America Great Again Road Trip. Um, this is the first vacation that we've had since last year. So I'm, yeah, I, I'm ready I, to take a break. I took a week off in June. Paid vacation, and then yeah, this is another paid vacation. So. I haven't, I, I didn't take any vacation this summer. Well, so. so wait, you were, you haven't been off work like for a week since June? Since no December. Oh right, we went, we went to New York. We went to, went to Brooklyn. Yeah, we went to New York. So you got any vacations? We're gonna uh, see Jackie Woods. out there, Oswald. Uh yeah, actually, I'm going to Seattle next month. Yeah, aren't you going out to Prospect? Uh yeah, kind of feel it out. I mean, I've been there before, but I'm, he, I'm looking to move to, to, to Portland. Gonna, he's so. not moving to Seattle. No, yeah, else. no. Um, but yeah, it should be pretty cool. I try. I take my days like I. I, I like doing the three day weekend. Yeah, thing. the long weekends. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm. I'm a big. I'm a big fan of that, man. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna just take this Friday off. I realized though, I hadn't been on a proper road trip in like almost four years. And you went with Dad last time. Last time we drove down to D.C. Let me tell you, our old man Tony Jackman. I mean, road tripping with that guy, dude. He'll he'll drive anywhere. That guy's a road dog. He, he learned how to drive in Boston during the forced busing riots in yeah. Dorchester. Yeah, he back knew, in the day, he was like out driving when you weren't supposed to be. Yeah, like 14, 15. I'll drive in any city. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I don't give a fuck, man. I'll drive there. Give me a map. I don't need a GPS. So I'll, I'll drive in Amish country, and you know, maybe you know, if we go through Vermont, and you know, even even down to Virginia. But I'm not. I am not driving in New York City. <laughs> okay, Eric, you can drive in DC. You lived there for a year. I'll drive in DC. The only car accident ever been in my life happened in Washington. Well, it technically happened in Virginia. I was crossing over the Potomac. I just helped my sister move into the Washington Center. She did for her internship. Yeah. And um, I was merging to the right. I passed the Jefferson Memorial, and then I made my way across the Potomac uh, into Virginia Territory. And I was merging onto the George Washington Parkway to go back home to McLean, where I lived. And uh, 
I did a left. I'm like, oh, no one's coming. I did a quick right. I looked. The person I saw I let off the, the brakes, and they were going to go. They were getting onto the highway. Did one more left take. And then without looking to my right again, I left, let off my brake. Went right into her. So you were at fault. That was my fault. Yeah, it was your fault. Luckily, though, she was this woman from California who was in D.C. for God knows what in a big old giant SUV. She was there for like a porn convention or something. Probably. My Volvo was smashed. Like the front right light was destroyed, bent in, but there wasn't a scratch in her car. She said, honey, just give me your cell phone number. We don't need to need to... Good gal. Good gal. I didn't have insurance, Aaron. Oh, there you go. I still don't have insurance. <laughs> and in DC, you are fucked if if people get if a law gets involved and everyone gets involved. Oh yeah, you, they're talking. ICE comes in and uh, you know yeah. DIA, ISIL, yeah, HBO, uh, CIA. Same ISIL. ISIL will come in. We go. They little pretty, brown colored boys. Yeah, they got tan oil bodies. We yeah, go. That's a good time. We're going to put boots on the ground. We're going to beat them. We'll commit troops and yeah, shirtless troops. But oh, my that's God. That's neither Mike. here nor there. So good. Well, I've had a good time, and uh, we'll be great. back next week with another episode. We hope you guys had a lot of fun and maybe learned a couple things. And we will close tonight with Summertime by Ringo Death Star. And if you are looking to follow Jackman Radio, find us on Facebook under Jackman Radio, on Twitter at Jackman Radio, and our website hosted by Podbean www.jackmanradio.podbean.com Thank you, folks. Um, iTunes, too. Oh, oh iTunes. Wait, wait, wait. I always forget the iTunes, iTunes Aaron. you got to plug yeah, the iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends. Get, help us get to 500 likes. That's the next milestone. Yeah, we can do it. Let's dig it. Let's make America great again. 